Hey, what's up, hey, man? man? Dude, I'm glad to be here. Talk about Skid Row. I woke up to the sound of pouring rain, man. It's a rainy day out here in Chattanooga. That's my favorite time of year, man. Is it? I thought you were saying November Rain by Skid Row is your favorite song. I think a bad song. Friday <laughs> in the South. You know what that means. What does that mean? College football, but we ain't here to talk about that. Dooner, who is keeping the lights on in this building? Oh, going early into that. Okay. Triumph Pay is the leading carrier payment platform in transportation. With over 50,000 carriers paid, Triumph Pay helps to drive capacity, efficiency, and cash flow for brokers and shippers. Visit TriumphPay.com to learn more. We'll get the headlines in a minute, but I got a question for you. What's up? It's Halloween season. Uh, my kids love Halloween, my five-year-olds. I just got him like a Nintendo DS with Luigi's Mansion on it, much to my wife's chagrin. But um, I love a good horror movie. What's your favorite horror film? Ooh. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Uh, you know, I guess, could you consider Duel a horror movie? Oh, yeah, with a truck just, with like, chasing truck? the guy down the road. That's really, it's not, like, that great of a yeah, film, but not. the cinematography is off the charts. Yeah, especially for, like, the time when yeah. you, you sort of think about when it was made. Uh, you know what's an interesting one is, I like the one with, like, Candy Cane, Joyride. Oh, it's dude, classic. right on. Yeah, it, I mean, you really gotta have the rain. You yeah. gotta have the rain and the fall weather to get into that. I was really, it was hanging around, like, 95 degrees in October, yeah, we I mean the first at, week it was terrible, and so now we are uh, we're back in. Boom, and I got LinkedIn up too. I got the LinkedIn up now. So if you're if you're watching along, post your favorite horror movie where you're from. We'll give you a shout out. And by the way, I'll shout out to this guy. Um, oh my god, I think it's I think it's Luis. I don't know. Some guy in my building came up to my wife this right. morning. He works for a logistics company, and he said, "Does your husband work for Freightways?" And she was like, "Yeah, why?" And she was like, "Oh, I just saw the live stream of What the Truck." So I don't know. Man, apartment famous, bro. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, no, it's it's a really amazing thing that's happening, and it's almost like V one, V two, V three from where we're going. Yeah. Um, I you know from where I've seen you come in to where you are at today, and hey, thanks for having me on. I know Chad's out doing his thing. Well, he's no, he's to, sick. He's sick oh, as a dog, man. I was sick earlier in the week. He got sick. Then I come back, but oh, here I'll see. Here's a secret announcement too for just for our audience. So here's a here's a new theme song. Let's roll. I've been recording. You saw her on the show last week. It was Laura Fava. We're doing a new podcast for American Shipper. It's called The Port Report. If you go to Spotify, you might be able to find it there. Look for Port Report. It's still waiting for approval on Apple Podcasts. We're not really promoting it yet, but for this audience, I'll let you guys know. Ter- Inco terms and conditions may apply. Good stuff. So, what's You the- like talking about the water? Yeah, I, I do. I'm uh, more Chips. of a land lover, kind of a truck driver guy. I know. But what's the focus, man? What are we, what are we talking about, Port Port? So because I come from a global 3PL background, Henry does, Laura does, coming from Steam, it's just we, we just nerd out talking about that kind of stuff. So we were like, you know what? American Shipper needs a long-form podcast. Absolutely. We do. I do, the morning, uh, I do the morning minute for Freightways. I do the American Shipper AM or morning report. That's a minute long. You guys can find that, too. But I wanted to do something longer form and to, to, to talk about things in my wheelhouse. And I don't think there's a single year that has gone by since I started podcasting that I haven't done something on Incoterms. And it's just like, it's in my blood. Because you trucking guys, you don't care that much about Incoterms. But on the water, it's, it's your life. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think what's really amazing is, and I know Henry Byers has been just going yeah. full on with so 5.0. 5.0, man. With 5.0, <laughs> it's going to change the world. And I'm not even, you can't even exaggerate that. If, if anybody's coming to Chicago... Uh, 
claim your seat early. Yeah, when when Fuller goes on because it's going to be. Well, you're a bit of a sonar savant as well. So, but when 5.0 comes out, the game is going to change. Everything's going to change. This yeah. show will change. Night shift will change. Freight waves now. So, talking about growth and improvement, mm. uh, I'm going to be the main producer on Freight Waves now. You're going to see that show starting to go out live in the morning right nice. now. Because of the time it takes to turn around and edit, it's actionable data, but we want to make it more actionable yeah. and have it out for you guys to see live every day at 9 and actually be able to see if you're on the brokerage side, those increased margins, or on carrier side, being able to push those assets into these maybe neighboring markets. That's my pressure in the morning because I always want to get those morning minutes out as soon know. as possible. But yeah. at the same time, I want to have the most current and up-to-date information. So it's not like I can record it the night before and then just sleep in. I really got to get up and, and, and do that. But like... Now my body clock is is accustomed to it. But you know what? We cover the news there. Let's get to the news here. Let's it's it. time to hit the headlines, brother. Right on. Oh, that's truly oh. Oh. Had that way too low. It's a fader there. All right, so this is good news. Usually we've had a lot of bad news on here. Here it is. UAW is ending the 12-day strike against Mack Trucks. Full production expected to resume by the middle of next week. Perfect stuff. The United Auto Workers is ending a strike against Mack Trucks after 12 days. The first walkout in 35 years idled six facilities in three states and forced the layoff of 3,000 workers at Volvo Trucks Only North American Assembly Plant, trying to bring those jobs back to America. And then you, you got to get rid of 3,000 of them. Mack Trucks announced the tentative agreement on Thursday evening, October 24th. Terms of the four-year deal, which is a year longer than the last contract signed in 2016, were not disclosed. The 3,500 workers represented by the UAW locals in Pennsylvania, Maryland, and Florida will vote on whether or not to ratify the agreement. The UAW said it would suspend picketing on Friday morning. That's today, October 25th. The strike began October 15th after a two-week extension of the contract that expired October 1st. Well, I'll tell you, probably what you're going to see is a big pickup in expedited freight because this stuff's been sitting on the docks, but neither Mac nor Volvo spokesman immediately responded to the questions about how much production was lost during the strike or whether the downtime would alter the plans for two weeks down later this quarter to adjust the production to match the new truck orders. If you follow what Seth Holmes is talking about, yeah. you can see that they're way under. He's going to be in here to talking about the pricing power index. And that's no, a, D, sorry, DHL supply D- chain pricing power index. DHL supply chain pricing power index. Freightways pricing power index. DHL supply chain freightways pricing power index. So separately, the UAW and GM reached a tentative agreement on a four-year contract. It's going to end the longest strike against automakers since 1970, way wow. back in the day. Uh, the picketing continued during the ratification voting, um, which is going to end October 25th. Yeah, it was tough because there's two strikes going on at the same time. You had the other strike, and then if you if you looked into earnings this past week, everybody got kind of nailed. We had the people from PAM in here. They, they were not immune to all of this. But good news. Let's see. Let's hope for, for better weeks ahead. What else is in there? It's right? up and down. Cummins presses lawmakers on the national emissions standard. Mm. So maintaining that fuel efficiency regulations at the federal level for the heavy-duty trucking sector, rather than just relying on a patchwork of state-by-state regulations, should be a priority for lawmakers preparing to introduce climate change legislation, according to truck engine maker Cummins. The Columbus, Indiana-based manufacturer was on a panel of industry players testifying at a Capitol here. Capitol Hill hearing on transitioning the U.S. economy to net Mm. zero greenhouse gas pollution by 2050 with prospects for moving the transportation towards zero or low carbon fuels as part of the plan. You know, I mean, the the weird thing about I feel like everything sort of just becomes a meme or like is a meme. Everything is like turned up to 11 in this year. Even like Greta Thunberg, she's trying to bring the thing to climate change. But then everything just like so quickly 
is like spoofed lampoon turned into an image macro and and a meme, right? That's kind of modern. T- I mean, I think it'll it's only going to get further and further. I mean, because it's it's not. I don't think this is a virtue signaling. This is. I mean, as time goes on, with more people in the world, uh, there's going to be more freight with faster shipping yeah. times, etc. Um, I think it is a good direction to continue towards. I mean, if we were still watching, you know, trucks burning black dust down the road, the world would not be as clean, I guess. Rolling coal. Wayne Ickerell, Cummins Vice President of Research and Technology, said, said this, Having predictability around a national regulatory policy is very important. Our product development cycle is on the order of three to six years. So as we do that work, we have an eye on where we have to be and when and what drives our investments. Having a national regulation that we understand will allow us to tailor our investments appropriately to hit their climate change goals. The October 23rd hearing was part of a series of hearings held by the Democrat-led U.S. House Energy and Commerce Committee on Climate Change. Democrats have been pushing for regulation, tightening emission uh, restrictions and eliminating fossil fuels, where Republicans' focus has been more on promoting incentives for companies to reduce emissions on their own. But the gentleman you're going to talk about now, he kind of just said what you just said. Yeah. So Timothy Blubaugh, vice president of the Truck and Engine Manufacturers Association, pointed out that with nearly half the truck fleet still unequipped with engines that comply with emission standards that took effect in 2010, Mm. the industry can achieve significant emissions reductions without more stringent and costly federal standards. Yeah. The deal with, you know, all this stuff is that it stems from California, the CARB, the CARB yeah. controls. There's a lot of guys that don't run into there. Um, as time goes on, a federal uh, initiation, but, most likely. And what he's saying is people aren't even doing what they're supposed to be doing anyway. So if they were actually just to follow the regulations that were in place, we could reduce emissions by by X amount. So what's the point of more regulations? I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. It's like no one's doing anything, so let's do it. I mean, I think there's other measures to take, but it'll be interesting to see how that how that falls in climate change is obviously becoming a bigger focal point, not just for um, not just for virtue signaling, but consumers are becoming right. more interested in companies are becoming more interested. Publicly traded companies are becoming more interested in the dollar drives everything. I think it has something to do with population density as well. Yeah. Um, an old farm truck out in the middle of Iowa, probably not going to be as uh, detrimental versus, you know, 20 trucks rolling down Market Street here spewing a bunch of uh, <laughs> carbon out in the street. Yeah. Well, smaller fleets. So this is one. I mean, this is pretty obvious, right? Smaller fleets resist dash cams despite their exoneration of gyres. Smaller fleets tend to be, uh, you know, a little closer to the I owner. Don't and everything. This. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Well, it says, well, a recent Freightway survey found about 30 percent of fleets still resist dash cam technology. Truckers and carriers that adopt trash cam reports lower their legal fees, litigation risks and insurance claims. And right. That's one of the reasons you would go. You'd go and get one of those. Our own Dean Croak. He said most owner operators I know would never leave home without a dash cam. Croak has a 35-year career in the freight industry, serving at the executive level in data and analytics at Spirion and Omnitrax. However, he still owns and operates a Class A truck and sometimes comes on this show and does the Dean's List. Among the resistant 30% reasons to avoid dash cams. So there's got to be a reason, right? It's not just technophobia, or a little bit is. It says they're, they're worried about protecting driver piracy, privacy to the fear of driver turnover. Experienced operators who... Uh, like smaller fleets, promises work-life balance and autonomy, resist in-cab technologies because they take pride in their long record of safe driving. Trends show that as fleets decrease in size, they're more likely not to adopt dash cams. Let me, let me give you a perspective if we got time. Yeah. 2015, rolling down 395 Reno into L.A., uh, one of those one-lane construction zones, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I rolled through the light. It was green. But by the time my trailer made it all the way through, it had switched over to red. Yeah. So I get pulled over. 
in the middle of nowhere. And then so he comes up and he says all this stuff about you're getting a ticket for running the red light and all that, which, as you know, if you get a failure to stop, you're going to lose your license kind of wow. thing. So I had the dash cam running. I said, sir, look, you can give me the ticket, but I know that was green. And I, we actually looked at it, and I was able to talk myself out of a ticket right then and there. The, the privacy concept, I'll take uh, my self-protection over the concept of privacy. Yeah. So 40% of the fleets have implemented dash cams in the past 20 months, which coincides with ELD mandates. This means many fleets are implementing both in-cab technologies simultaneously. Dash cams have the capability to memorize the driver's head and study the rate of eyelid closure in order to detect sleeping, texting, and driver vigilance. That protects both the drivers and other vehicles on the road. New drivers and fleet managers point to these additional benefits of the technology. i got to say I do agree. Yeah. I don't know. Norman Bright, he's the fleet and safety manager of Woodford Oil in Elkins, West Virginia. He says he's seen the impact of keep trucking, driving scorecards and smart dash cam footage. Have They've made their coaching much more effective. In four short months, they've seen significant decreases in critical events, including heartbreaking events cut in half and an almost 70% reduction in hard acceleration. You know, when you know Big Brother's watching, you might not, you know, you might follow the rules a little better. Does it save someone's life? But then does it cut into privacy? Yeah. I mean, it's really an in- eternal debate regardless of what industry you're in. Yeah. Well, this is just the news, so we're not going to get into that one. What's next? NFI finds spotlighting female drivers helps recruit other women. So the Drive My Way, Drive My Way CEO also advises attendees at the Women in Trucking Conference to use woman-to-woman messaging. Hmm. So dedicated carrier NFI had a problem, but Allison Geist, an NFI operations support manager, at the Women in Trucking Accelerate Conference and Expo in Dallas earlier this month, said the national average for women drivers in the workforce was about 8%. Theirs was about 4%, not the best. So in June 2018, NFI set out to boost the number of women behind the wheel. They gathered input from 10 different female NFI drivers. NFI Senior Operation Manager Alexa Branco says, they said, show us off so that we can drive. And, hey, looks like they did. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, so you you you've driven, you drove with with uh, with a lady. Um, is it as bad on the road as they say? I mean, you're a good guy, so you're not bringing this nefarious element. But you know, there there are a lot of women who complain about these things. I would say that uh, being out alone on the road, you would want to have some sort of way to defend yourself and be strategic in your parking and placement. Granted, that's not always available. Um, but in terms of running hours, I mean. To drive a truck in general, you have to have a little bit of courage to drive a truck as a woman. I think you have to be very um, self-sufficient in your right to understand your surroundings and, you know, take on the, the challenge of doing it. What was interesting here is that the She Drives marketing campaign, that campaign marked a major shift for NFI, which had never featured a female driver in advertising throughout its 85-year history According to Branko, you know, though, I mean, that's not surprising, right? I mean, this is this is an industry that for a long time had been very male dominated, not just the trucking side, even logistics offices themselves have been. It's changing a lot now. I mean, even society is changing. I mean, if you if you look at the like the rate of graduation, women are ahead. Uh, women are women are rapidly increasing in the workforce and uh, apparently in the cab, too. But it's great that these organizations are coming together to support them. Yeah, I think as time goes on, it's a great career. It really is. And the, the entire industry as a whole is safer now. And talking about privacy, data collection, et cetera, et cetera, the world as a whole is much safer. A truck stop in the middle of nowhere, a lot more safe than it was 30 years ago. Yeah. Let's find out what's going on in the world of freight with Seth Holm. I see him right outside. Is JP out there, too? 
Oh, uh, we got guests and guests yeah. and guests. Can you want to knock the door open? Let's see. Let me bring them in. Yeah. Here we go, Seth. Come on, buddy. Seth. Oh. That's powerful. Yeah, that's the that's the that's the power of pricing. I love it. You know what happened though? <laughs> I so I looked at the pricing power index, and if you have the DHL Supply Chain Freightways Pricing Power Index, which you can find at freightways.com, every Thursday, this is Seth Holm from the Freightways Research Group, and he may soon become a, a podcaster too. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So uh, well, you next... did pretty good on camera too, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I know, but he's 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 developing his own show. People love the finance update. But a, your, a Seth Holmes show would be, I would, I would be yeah. very excited. What is it? Homes on Homes? Better Homes and Gardens? What are you, you going to call it? Do you have an idea? Yeah, I think we're going to call it Transportation Nation. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like that. Well, don't give it out too soon, though, because then someone could, like, just jump. Like, jump yeah, out. somebody could steal that. Yeah. But, I, you know, we're going to be moving quickly, so hopefully not. Yeah. If they do, you could, like, you could be, like, the real Transportation Nation. Yeah. Exactly. So this week in the index, it was uh, not as exciting as usual because it didn't move, right? Yeah, not a whole lot going on this week. I guess uh, it's at 25 again this week, which is sort of more in balance of the sh- the shippers. And um, that's just kind of continuing, you know, a multi-week trend where it continues to go down in their favor. And the reason why we left it at 25 is because all of this stuff's just kind of languishing. So when you look at uh, outbound tender volumes, those were 7% three weeks ago. They're now in the 1% range. They were, mm-hmm. they were in the 1% range last week. Um, and then when you look at spot rates, they're just kind of hovering around a dollar forty. And then um, you know, economically, we continue just to get you know sort of weak and deteriorating economic news. So, what do you uh, think? Well, I, I thought you guys had to go up and kind of give it a couple of knocks because it was stuck on twenty five. <laughs> but I know, yeah. Well, this is the first is. week. This is the first week it's where stuck, we've left right? it unchanged. I mean. You got to have market moving news yeah, it's to really change it. We didn't get a lot of that this week. It's so. been pretty soft. Has everyone just been busy with earnings? Because in earnings, we we heard a lot of like we were talking about the we started the show talking about the UAW strike right. uh, with yeah. the the Mack truck one. That is, they've come to a resolution on that. The workers are coming back to work next week. Mm-hmm. But in all of the news articles that we were reading, and all of the earnings that we're reading, including like Pam who was in here, they were all sort of blaming the the implications of. Of either Mac or the other UAW strike at GM. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, on the earnings front, I, I haven't been covering the strikes as much, but I have been paying attention to earnings. And, you know, one thing that's interesting, this is such a cyclical sector being new to this. It's, it's, it's interesting how it works. They've uh, basically really bad numbers, right? And all these stocks have been going up. And that's because everyone thinks that we're putting in a bottom and 2020 is going to be the bottom. And then we're going to have a good Q4, and then everything's going to get better, better moving into 2020. So the stocks are actually up a lot. I've been tracking those. Like, you know, and I know we uh, even George Abner after he was talking about, you know, ODFL missed. So yeah. they had their revenue decline for the first time in three years. That's kind of like the gold standard. And so when you see them actually reporting bad numbers, you know things are bad, and maybe hopefully they'll get better. Well, we keep hearing about a soft peak season, and I was talking to Henry – Yesterday, and we were talking about Chinese New Year. It falls as early as I can remember. It's in January this year. So it means that a lot of people, there might be a minor pull forward near the end of the month. Usually you see things die down around like 
November fifteenth, December tenth. That's when people start taking vacation finally. If they work at if if they work at international brokerages, okay. I'm imagining that truck brokerage is is, is similar. Uh, do you anticipate a spike near the end of the year, or are things going to remain kind of? No, I do. Um, so I think there's that rush to get everything in the stores for Black Friday, um, yeah. which is coming up, and then you know everybody has the Thanksgiving holidays, and then it picks back up because if you think about e-commerce, a lot of people are ordering their their you know, Christmas presents or whatever religious holiday they celebrate, you know, just up to the very, very last minute. So uh, because that continues to be more and more a trend and it's obviously not going away, I do think that you'll see a spike back up into the Christmas. I've already, I go before, but I've already started Christmas shopping. Have you? Yeah. I got little kids. Uh, the The only thing I have to do though is like, sometimes I like, if I get bored, I just like take one of the toys out and just like have a scavenger hunt with the kids. And then my wife is like, what? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you know, it's always more toys. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I want to play. I want to see what the Millennium Falcon looks like out of the box. Yeah, dude, it's, it's like you're, it's you get to experience. Yeah, it I didn't get one of those for Christmas. <laughs> if you've got kids, like I have one kid, and um, and I I already have way too many toys. Yeah, um, all I do is pick up toys when I get home at night uh, off the floor. You know, was speaking of toys in Star Wars, and that trailer came out during Monday Night Football for the Rise of Skywalker. And we talked about this on the Port Report, but there was this article that uh, was on American Shipper about Hasbro uh-huh. and Hasbro's earnings. And it talked about one of the issues that was going on there was they have these new properties. They have Mandalorian on Disney Plus. They have the Rise of Skywalker. And they have all these toys they want to bring into the country. But because of the fear of tariffs, the 4B tariffs, a lot of the, the buyers, the, the targets and the Walmarts of the world only wanted to, to do domestic shipments because they didn't want to eat those tariffs. And it's, it's having some real ripple effects, even though they didn't go into effect. So it's, oh, like, wow. it's, it's like that butterfly effect of the tariff and it's people chasing ghosts. Yeah. yeah. That's scary. I, it's spooky. Yeah, I think it's going to be more common uh, as long as this drags on, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and it, it hurt Hasbro. Um, Hasbro, I think, had the stock had been on a tear, but I, I saw it was down 10 or 15% the other day. Um, yeah, because, because of, of news issues. like that. Yeah. And, I mean, you have to imagine those Star Wars things are some of their biggest properties. And, you know, I was in Walmart, and... Uh, my kid collects Star Wars toys, and it was it was kind of asset light. There weren't there weren't does, that many great toys. When does the consumer demand? You know, especially with social media, where's my toys? Where's my toys? When does, does Hasbro just have to basically pull the trigger? Or I, you happens? know, mo- most of like the like the angry people who would type that are like grown men, like on <laughs> like people in like their twenties and thirties uh, and 40, like on Reddit, like on yeah. Star Wars collecting. Those guys get like crazy for the Black Series and stuff like that, like the the more higher end figures. Dooner, I gotta bring the lightsaber in, man. I have one too. I have like one, like an augmented. Oh, you from from Galaxy's yeah, Edge, I gotta right? Bring, next time, well, next Monday on the show, I'll bring it. For what, what did you guys think of the trailer? This is the new Star Wars movie. You know, you know. I'm not sure I've seen it. I, I love Star Wars. My, but yeah. I don't think my I've seen wife's it. obsessed, and she sent yeah. me the link. But uh, truth be told, I didn't watch it. Yeah, I forgot to. And the last Jedi was kind of terrible. Yeah, yeah. So, All right, so I've heard. Well, thanks for joining us, Seth. Yeah, of course. Have a great one. We'll thanks, see you guys. next week. Yeah, we're gonna have a. I think JP is here. Let's let's see if we're here. Anthony Smith is here. If he's not, Anthony Smith will come in and play you in earnings over under. Oh man, if JP is, he can come in as well. Where is Mr. John? There he is. There he is. What up, JP? Yes, come on in. You're gonna have a. We're gonna have a. Five down to five. Five good minutes. JP, we're gonna be talking about something. You have a lot of great articles this week, but one of the most interesting ones and. Because there's so many, I approached you and I was like, which one should we talk about? You wanted to talk about the mergers and acquisitions and companies looking for Amazon-proof businesses, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was a really interesting – it wasn't like an explicit topic. And I should say I was – last week I was in Chicago 
at the Armstrong and Associates 3PL Summit. Yeah, how was that? Um, it was interesting. I mean, there were a lot of bankers there, a lot of executives there. Armstrong and Associates are M and A advisors for the industry. They collect a lot of data on the industry, and they taught and they help people uh, do deals. Oh, um, and so one of the themes I kind of noticed was that a lot of bankers were talking about Amazon. They were talking about, you know, I think the news had recently come out maybe the week before that Amazon had bought all these tractor trailer or, you know, tractors. Um, obviously they've made moves in brokerage and air warehousing. And so people are kind of essentially investors are looking for exposure to e-commerce. They want that double digit annual growth that e-commerce has, but they don't want to buy a company that's about to get run over by Amazon. And so they're trying to kind of balance that. And they really kind of identified two um, sort of strategies for identifying Amazon-proof logistics businesses. How are investors looking at companies with and without exposure to Amazon's logistics service? And is that view changing? Because this isn't really a conversation we would have heard a couple of years ago. No, it's not. And one of the bankers actually said uh, four years ago it was a wait and see, and now we're just seeing Oh yeah, that was uh, Paul Jones from Raymond James, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you need to look at Am- look at what they're doing and stay out of their way. So, n- agree, disagree? Where are you at? Yeah. So, I, like for example, if you are looking to build small e-commerce warehouses close to uh, population centers, and you're going to be competing for labor with the most valuable company in the world that's paying, you know unskilled warehouse workers, 18 bucks an hour and up, you're going to have a hard time. Well, let me ask you this, though. Talk about, see what somebody successful is doing and just let them do that. If Bezos would have just let Walmart continue to do what they were doing, would we even have an Amazon? So I feel like, man, you got to... What was Walmart doing, though? Walmart wasn't really doing anything in e-com. They're still not that great in e-com. He's talking about about retail in general. Okay, retail. I'm talking about the concept of getting people stuff. Yeah. Right? yeah. And if you look at Amazon as kind of the, the cornerstone, keystone of what that is today, I, I've got some drop shipping businesses on the side. Amazon doesn't scare me. I've got to take, you know, the concept of what do I do better than what they can do? And mm. people all across the country doing the same story. It's tough, though. It would be like, because if you're in retail, it would be like if some if you get removed from Google search, you know, if, if you're a company and you can't, like one of the, YouTube is one of the, we, we talk about search engine. We're mentioning Google. I think the third highest like search engine is the product search engine on Amazon. It's pretty crazy. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, uh, Kyle, one thing to remember is that these bankers are advising private equity buyers who are going to hold a company for like four to five years. Yeah. And so it's mostly about you know what can grow fast that is relatively not that risky but it's a limited time horizon. So it's like they're not going to build the next Amazon. You know, they're not going to build like right. something that's going to overthrow the empire. They're looking either for a niche kind of high value, high service business that Amazon can't commodify that, you know, free shipping doesn't really work on. Or they they want to attack a certain kind of service related to e-commerce. For example, um, expedited brokerage. Mm-hmm. And and roll it up really quickly. Buy a bunch of companies, put them all together, and build something in a, a few years that's large enough to kind of stand on its own um, with regard to Amazon. What I thought was interesting was they were talking about the strategy. A strategy a lot of companies are using now is to control their own freight, which isn't a new concept. And it's something whenever I do Inco terms, I like scream from the mountaintops because I'm always like, 
if, if you have the capacity, you should always sell on CPT because you control the freight. You can put the markup in there. And if you can, you should always buy on XWorks because you're not letting someone else do the same thing to you. And if you don't know the area, at least get on FOB because then you can leverage your own freight with your contracts with carriers. It seems like people are doing that. But the problem is if you're a small dropship group and you're not in that, you're kind of looking for uh, dropship categories that are insulated from Amazon, right? Things that wouldn't be affected by search. Yeah, the concept of that is I'm not concerned with search at all. Like Google rankings don't matter to me. What matters to me is extremely detailed targeted advertising. Yeah. So how do you hit me? Like email campaigns or something? Uh, no, actually, Facebook, Google. Uh, okay, social ads. Social yeah. ads. Social ads with extreme detailed location targeting. Are, are you, interesting? There's so many of those like sketchball ones, and I'm not saying you're a sketchball, but like you, like I remember when the NES Classic came out, and it was really hard to find. You would see like a million drop shippers of like knockoff uh, NES Classics yeah. that I think I'd always sort of shown up in my feed because I was searching for an NES Classic. Yeah. What I, I I do light. Yeah, I do free shipping. And I do uh, consumables not found at Walmart, um, mostly in the cosmetic space. Most people, are they doing that through Shopify, most people? I actually built my own on WordPress. Oh, wow. Cosmetics is interesting because that business is, um, I think there are two, like, big opportunities in it. Interesting, like, the old ladies, like Mm -hmm. my mom, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that have their Avon representative by the same thing, you know, month after month, year after year after year. So they don't need to necessarily try it out in a Sephora store to know what they want to buy. And the other thing is just that, you know, with the rise of, like, social media influencers and um, all different kinds of celebrity brands and premium, uh, you know, premium brands, young women are spending a lot of money trying out different things based on the recommendations of people they trust, which I think also – really plays into you know electronically fulfilled orders. Well, and to talk about that, not to get too detailed, but with FBA fulfillment by Amazon, mm-hmm. if you're running a drop shipping organization where you know you're essentially having F- Amazon be your three third party, if you can't have your ads running and have those sales flying out the door, you're going to find yourself quickly dwindling into a black hole because mm-hmm. you're going to be paying Amazon to store your stuff. Mm-hmm. Did you hear about that the skincare brand? It was um, Sunday Riley. And I believe that's the name of the CEO also, but they got busted for writing a ton of fake reviews on Sephora. And I always love when these companies get busted because then I immediately go and I read like their glass door and you can always see like the corporate marketing like written ones. And then you can see like the real employee ones, which are like ones and twos. And they're like, this place is insane. They make me write all these fake reviews. This is a quote. I'm not saying this. I don't know anything about Sunday Riley. They could be fine. But what was funny is the resolution of this from the FTC was that they just have to promise not to write fake reviews anymore. It's very soft. There really is no regulation. There isn't anymore. That's no. that's going to be a big problem for Amazon. It's it's really. I mean, and that's. I think um, the more that competitors can offer, like truly feasible and um, you know frictionless omni-channel experiences. Yeah. You know, with brands you can trust. Like, if I'm going to buy something expensive, like some kind of um, luxury good for my wife or something like that, like I'm not going to buy it on Amazon. No. Like, no. I'd, be, I'd be crazy to. And you never know. Like, I got knockoff Ray-Bans from there on Prime Day one time. And uh, because they, everything gets commingled. So it's, it's very easy for people to do it. But then the other thing that people do is they, they take an old product category. So it's weird. It's like a dustbuster. And you're like, how did this, like, no-name Chinese dustbuster get 5,400 reviews on it? <laughs> or, like, these random vitamins you've never heard of. And it's like, it, it's, it's like, a, it, it's like a, um, a review that's been prostituted. They keep taking this. Uh, and putting a different item in that slot and changing, uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, a lot it's of like it's actually, yeah, yeah. It's it's done just by the find and replace, and you can AI that out pretty quick to pull it, take it, 
switch the con- the keywords around, push it back out again. Mm. It's it's a I mean, man, there's a war going on out there between humans, AI, and the end consumer. Tough stuff. Well, JB, thanks for joining us. Uh, how can people learn more about you? Uh, they can go to <laughs> freewaves.com slash news slash author slash JP. That's where all of my content lives. On You can find you me can, on match.com. <laughs> and you can watch a weekly rate update with oh, yeah. Greg Fuller, which is my Friday markets show. Great one yeah, this morning, by the way. Is that, already, is that up on YouTube right now? Yeah. Yeah, it's right. really good. Go up there. And, and the thing is, you guys are turning it. Uh, Kyle's, Kyle's on the content team. He also does a lot of the video here. And these guys have really, really accelerated the speed. Like, we used to film things in the morning. It'd be out by 4 o'clock. And now the time is compressed to within hours. And then, and now it's getting even shorter, right? Well, it's all tech. And, and we've been really fortunate. We just got a brand new dude on. Cody, got to give him a shout out. Yeah. Uh, you know, these guys are all, it's a tech company bringing in the tech. Now we have a switcher. We have a dedicated audio board. We're really quickly turning into a real TV station. And everybody on TV, <laughs> speaking of guys on TV. Yeah. Earnings over under. Hey, man. Back. I love that you're like you're like this huge jacked athlete, but you're also like a gigantic nerd with your Dragon oh, Ball Z awesome. shirt. Dragon Ball Z, of course. And yeah. it's like sports day here at Freight Wave. So, yeah, yeah two birds, one stone. Yeah, Do you, you own a Nintendo DS? I don't. I have a Switch, though. You have a Switch. Yeah, my I kid was using my Switch too much, my five-year-old. So I got him a DS because he's a little young for, like, mm-hmm. the Switch. I was just worried with, like, he's just going to ruin those Joy-Cons. Yeah, And yeah. they're, like, $80. They're, like, ridiculously expensive. Do you have a Switch? I don't. The, the Joy-Cons on there are just, like... Oh, those are just the handles you put yeah, on Yeah, right, I don't know right, right. why they cost so much money. I don't know. But <laughs> now I'm starting to think ROM is the way to go, right? Just yeah. get a PC ROM or something like that? Yeah. Well, you know what I have? I have the NES Classic, and you can hack that. And you can oh. put, like, meme, meme games on there. So you can put, like, like Rampage and mm-hmm. WrestleFest mm-hmm. and uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the arcade right, game. Right, right, right. You can put, like, any, not that I would do anything illegal, but if like, <laughs> like, you can back up copies of NES games or NES games or Genesis games and those kind of things. Right. Yeah. It's really because you own them already, so now you have to. Yeah, of course. Of yeah. course. I own thousands of games. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy. It's easy. I probably do. I spend a lot of money on that stuff. All right. Oh. Guys, earnings over under. You're the yeah. guest, although you're also the guest co-host. So uh, I don't know. Let's see. We'll start with him. We'll start with him. He'll go first. All right. Southwest Airlines earnings per share. You guys know how the game is played. You guys out here, we say the estimated earnings per share. These guys decide if it went over and under. If they both go in the same direction, whoever gets closest wins. So Southwest Airlines earnings per share, $1.09. I'm going to set it off with over. Okay. I'm going under due to the 737 max. You're wrong. He was right. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, so, Shocker. okay. US-based <laughs> low-cost carrier Southwest Airlines reported strong third-quarter financial performance, including them. record operating unit revenues, solid margins, and strong cash flows. This is despite an estimated $210 million reduction in operating income due to the continued yeah. grounding of Boeing 737 that's Max a, aircraft. That's fascinating that they can, continue, they can still turn a profit yeah. after, like, that. man, that's amazing. Yeah. I believe it was United last week that also managed to turn a profit and also mentioned the Boeing 737 Max in their earnings call, and they're like, we would have done even better. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, yeah, they were over as $1.23. Good for Very them. Cool. All right, guys, you, you start this one out. Amazon, we were just talking about them doing your drop shipping. You said you don't need them. I don't need them. You said, I don't need Amazon in my life. Earnings per share. Although, you know what we do? Like, you could get rid of Amazon, and people would figure it out. Like, you get rid of the, the retail thing, but if you got rid of Amazon itself and you lost AWS, we'd all be screwed because they have, like, 60% of the internet now. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's the beauty of the economy. Like, yeah. you take something away, and then people just find a way. Like, yeah. that, that, that void gets filled. Well, I hate that argument that people always say, and um, and no offense to Adam Robinson, but it's what jogged my memory, because he said online, he's like, well, maybe Amazon will turn a profit in retail, but that's like that's like coming at McDonald's for not turning a profit selling hamburgers. McDonald's yeah. is a real estate company. Amazon is a web services exactly. technology company. Mm-hmm. That retail, if that's the Trojan horse, then that's the Trojan horse. Mm-hmm. They're making the money. Right. They're making that pay. Or are they? Amazon earnings per share four forty six. Way under. Mm-hmm. He's going way under. I'm going. I'm going to side with Kyle. Under. All right, then you guys have to guess. So four forty six was the earnings per share. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think? Uh, three sixty five. Okay. Four. Four. Four thirty. Oh, you went over. It was four twenty three. Oh, yeah, you should just got you should have priced this right and just got a penny. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, yeah. I don't want to win like that. <laughs> uh, so Amazon's third quarter revenue surges, but so do its shipping costs. So this is it was that due to day. that whole logistics mm. thing. Yeah. So record shipping spend of nine point six billion dollars is six hundred million more than they spent in twenty eighteen in the peak fourth quarter. This is down from uh five seventy five for diluted share in twenty eighteen and twenty three percent share below analyst estimates pulled by bar chart. Shares were off about 8% in early after-hours trading, so market was like, mm, Amazon, are they making money with this logistics right. thing? Right. I think with the concept of AWS, I mean, hey, if you're sitting on some cash, you know. Yeah, I mean, before this is said and done, I mean, they're going to put some brokers and carriers out of business, I mean, without a doubt. Yeah. Yes. And probably a lot of these, like, uh, a lot of the freight tech companies coming out, too, because now it becomes even harder to offer that service where it's like, well, Amazon's so powerful. I well, if have you're to good, I mean, if you're good enough, though, that you just get yeah. bought. And yeah. Then... <laughs> that's sure. the way I mean, it goes. Like, yeah, you so, yeah, you get acquired. Yeah. All right, guys. Universal Logistics is the Michigan-based 3PL who does a lot of uh, dry van and drayage. Anthony Smith. Uh, earnings per share, 57 cents. Under. All right. Under. Okay. 43. Okay. 53. All right. You, it's 42. You win. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll give it to you. <laughs> yeah. The, the, so they were hit by a triple whammy. And you might remember yeah. that that headline on our site. So the triple whammy hits Universal Logistics Q3. The GM strike. We opened the show talking about the strikes. A personal injury lawsuit. That was a big theme last week. Mm-hmm. There had been like four nuclear lawsuits. And a few of them put carriers out of business. And also a soft freight market driven across the board losses. Right. Yeah. That's no surprise there. That's easy under yeah although like so does it drive so like when zach is in here he goes nuts when people say like a soft rate market because like well how do some of these other companies manage to make money like Mm -hmm. how do you like market conditions i don't know weak excuse uh yeah i mean there's a lot more than just covering loads for margin yeah i think it has a lot to do with you know how you run your operations it's got to be tough like living in that quarter to quarter basis too because if you're in a tough market it's hard to react that quickly in a three-month span yeah All right, Old Dominion, ODFL, earnings per share, 211. They're one of the best-run LTL carriers out there. I'm going under. All right. Gold standard, right? Yeah. Um, I'm going to go over. Mm-hmm. Ah. <laughs> it was under. It was under. It was 205. Old Dominion revenue drops for the first time. First time. So, you know, they, they do pretty well. But first time in three years as macro weakness bites. In a telling comment of the increasing role that third-party logistics providers are playing in Old Dominion's business, the company said 3PL traffic is growing at a faster rate than the company's traditional stable of direct shippers. They said, uh, our 3PL customers are doing significant business with us. So, an interesting shift. Yeah. 
It's just the state of the game. Yeah, so they're going more to three. Three PLs are kind of just sales arms for carriers anyway. A lot of them are. A lot of them. Yeah, like when I did, you're either selling freight for a trucking company or you're selling freight for uh, steamship lines. It's crazy because I feel like the the power play is asset based three PL. Mm. I think you, you think I, so. I think so. I mean, because you could tap into that, especially if you're in a specific market, and you can kind of have guys that uh, you can pull from. You know, it's kind of like having sidelines, you know? I think it depends. Like, I worked for one company called Oceanair, and they had to get rid of their trucking division because it, it just cost them money, the whole assets. But they were able to make plenty of money doing brokerage and doing um, doing cold chain solutions for companies. That's kind of where they made their, their bread and butter. But at the same time, a lot of international shippers, they, they kind of look down upon trucking, where a lot of trucking companies don't really care about international shippers. Right. It's kind of two different worlds, and they're both called 3PLs. And, that, and a lot of times, even within like the walls here, you'll see the, the language doesn't always cross over. It's very true. All right, Twitter. Let's get out of earnings. Let's get out of transportation. The last one, it is Twitter. Earnings per share, 10 cents. Over. Okay. Uh, as a nuclear under. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you know when it's when it's it was thirty. I guess thirty percent, right? Because yeah. it's seven cents. So <laughs> Twitter's revenue was was uh, way below expectation. Shares plunged twenty one percent. The company blamed lower than anticipated demand over the summer for ads, bugs within their own ad servers. So maybe that that maybe you're like well, I, just to draw it back <laughs> to what we were talking about before. That's one platform I don't advertise on. Yeah, it's why? Just not, it's just not as valuable because yeah. the 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 actual execution of it. I'll tell you where the next platform is, TikTok. Yeah. I like TikTok. Although it's like Vine, it's kind of tr- it's hard to put an ad in a 15-second video, right? you got to be really good. Sometimes the entire 15 seconds is It has ad, to be right? the ad. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. you got to have us it's dancing with, uh, you know. <laughs> Your product you know, placement. We, yes. Yes. We won't even name a name, but sponsor us and we will. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll make you some TikToks. I think we'll have, we'll have an audio and a video TikTok sometime soon yeah mm. all right. we should it's just yeah, like we have that. so many other stuff we're, we're trying to do but as we bring in like more bonds right, and everything, right i think right. we will uh they also blamed market conditions of course market conditions <laughs> market conditions that's the go-to right yeah so i, I kyle you uh you won against the economy <laughs> well here you can hit the cab anyway. oh yes all right do i still get no that? why why not okay that's the just consolation one. cowbell. Just one. Yeah, so a little consolation cowbell. <laughs> Always good to see you. Thanks yeah. for having me, guys. Thanks for coming in, Anthony. <laughs> All right. Now's the time of the show where we hear back from you, the listener. If you want to leave some comments in the comment section on the live feed, otherwise we're going to read the comments we already have. Oh. Comment section rodeo. Bang my cowbell. <laughs> All right, let's see what were people talking about this week on the show. All right, the first one was article driver rest. Oh, this was a this was a sad story, right? 30, 39 bodies were found in a uh, in a truck container, a reefer truck. Was yeah. this in Ireland? Yeah, and it uh, ended up being Russian nationals. I thought it was Chinese nationals. Oh, was it, it Russian? I think it was Chinese. Well, anyways, so Noble One, he writes in and says, perhaps from now on, seals should be cut. He's talking about trucking seals. Visibly verify in the trailer until you can obtain a better scanner and then have whomever brought the trailer inside a new install a new seal. From my perspective, the clowns who shipped the migrants in the refrigerated trailer knew the scanner camera at the port couldn't see through the refrigerated trailer due to the CO2, and the fact that it had a seal would be waived as okay rather than cut open in the trailer doors to verify inside the trailer at the port. Wake up, in my humble opinion. Can't say he's wrong, but at the same time, you can't. I mean, what are you going to stop every truck and look inside? I mean, but why would you ship people in reefer containers? 
Is that I, really what happened? I here? think it's a like a live nightmare. People? I think yeah, I think it's a nightmare from start to finish. How and are you going to survive in a river container? Though? I well, yeah, exactly. The, like I said, they didn't. But I, I mean, if you just go, well, it ain't going to be hot. But yeah. how are they going to breathe? That's just well, yeah. It's it's really scary. I think it goes to show that uh, people do anything to get out of a possible bad situation they're in. You know, I, and I've seen a lot of truckers get heated about this one because. Um, you know, they're innocent until proven guilty. Don't blame the trucker. He could have picked it up at a port. Don't post his picture. I'm not really sure. I don't know enough about this story. I don't know, man. I tell you, every time I pulled a trailer, I knew it was in the back of it. Yeah. And I didn't really ever pick anything up. Even if it was a drop and hook with a seal on it, uh, it, it was either, you know, some sort of pallets or, yeah. you know, it wasn't, it wasn't people. I knew that. Yeah. But Dan, the driver... Is saying the police are taking the path of least resistance and targeting the driver. There's mm. so much more to the story. However, when you are in possession of something illegal, you have to prove your innocence. The old saying applies: possession is nine tenths of the law. You know, and as a trucker, you have to be careful because this really yeah. highlights. And not, I, we saw what happened with the hemp truckers, right? Oh uh, yeah, and I know, and. You know, you can say they're just pulling a load they don't know, but at the same time, you are a responsible adult, and I guess you're... you. What are you supposed to do if there's a seal there, well, though, t- and you I'll can't open this. the seal, yeah, and no. you can't verify it? You got the bill. So one time, like my third well, No, but you, obviously you're not going to put dead bodies on the bill. Oh, yeah. I'm talking outside of just knowing what's in your trailer. Third, like yeah. The third load I ever ran, right? They, they tendered me a hazmat load. I didn't have my hazmat yet. Yeah. And I could have gone and probably picked that hazmat load up. Yeah. But, I mean, knowing that, hey, okay, if I put myself in this situation, it's going to be on me because I've read this, you know? I can't prove my innocence. With this, did the guy know they're in there? That's yeah. what it comes down to. So there's some plausible deniability. It's Yeah, it's people, though, like you said. It's... I know. Well, nobody's going to put that on a, on a manifest. <laughs> so that's not 39 like... people yeah, that 30, might die. 39 dead people. Yeah. That's I mean, they probably said, like, napkins or something, like those Nikes that were, like, seized. Yeah. This was, this was the article, though, that really got people fired up this week on FreightWaves.com. It was DOT to audit FMCSA oversight of truck driver bans. This is a story where, according to the DOT's Office of Inspector General, the OIG, on October 22nd, the crash which occurred earlier this year, there was a crash that led to an internal investigation by where I'm from, the Massachusetts Registry of Motor Vehicles, the RMV. They found the agency had not systematically processed out-of-state paper notifications of driver convictions in roughly five years. And now, as I understand it, they're trying to like go backwards and, and process all of these things. And the concern is that... Well, two things. Seven people died yeah. from a guy who should have never been anywhere near a commercial vehicle. Yeah. And second, if they had an automated system in place that was up to, the, up to times that was just processing these and matching via Social Security or driver's license number... This would not have happened. So, yeah, there has to be some sort of uh, repercussions. Yeah, so John Bruckman, he says, Everybody is racing the clock before they run out of time. Used to be truckers would give other truckers a break, not since ELDs. It was bad enough. We have to look out for cars cutting us off, not giving you room to move over for broke-down cars or trucks. Now even truckers won't even give truckers a break. The roads are very dangerous. Now help us, please. So, yeah, he's saying people have to race because these ELDs are always against the clock. I see. I was coming home from Nashville the other night after Wilco, and it was uh, 2 a.m., and these poor dudes, that their clocks ran out. just and, and they're just parked on the side, not in the rest area, on the side of the rest area. Wow. And that's the deal with the ELDs. You're stuck. But Brian Blue says, don't use the excuse certain degree okay. After a 10-hour break, 
No driver hasn't done their pre-inspection prior to driving. And going off-duty, they don't do a post-inspection. Straight to eat, rest, shower, and not the equipment. They get up, change the clothes, and just go without checking the equipment. To me, it's unacceptable. Equipment checks saves lives. Brian, uh, I couldn't agree with you more. It, you know, and it's easy to do. Go, oh, well, it's a 2019 truck. I don't need to check the hub seals on it. Yeah. Well, then you roll down the road, and now you've got a wheel covered in hub oil because you didn't check it. So, I think there's a counterpoint there, too. Oh, Jeffrey. There he says. Huh. There is no such thing as a pre-trip inspection. Why don't you read the regulations? And then what? Is that true? Uh, no, I don't know what Jeffrey's talking about. You're supposed to do a pre-trip inspection? A minimum of 15 minutes logged. I heard that, yeah, because when I was writing about the complaints about ELDs, people were like, yeah, I mean, this cuts in, even to your inspection cuts into that time. It does. I mean, and, and if, you know, you have two choices. You can sit there and let the clock run for 15 minutes and scratch your chin, or you can actually do the inspection. Yeah. Which is, you know, at the end of the day, if there's an accident, if they say, did you check this? And you go, well, I kind of did. No, did you check it? Yeah. That's the whole thing. The older the equipment, the more you got to check. But with new stuff as well, you still got to check it because new stuff breaks too. Yeah. Jeffrey Rudder chimed in again, and uh, this is kind of suspect. So he already said there was no such thing as a pre-trip inspection, which is scary. Yeah. Because here he says, because here he comes in and he's talking about that he is a driver. He says, where do you work that you're underpaid? I'm getting 55 cents a mile driving a truck that I'll run the speed limit anywhere I go, 2,000 miles, and that's over $1,000 a week. Anybody can do 2,000 miles a week. What are you talking about? Greed causes accidents when a driver tries to make more money. So first of all, it's like, what, 52000 a year if he works every single week. Doesn't sound like Dude, I used he's to even work, doing that great. I used to work four weeks on to get four days off. Yeah. Trucking takes, like, and that is the thing. Yeah, you're done. Do you want to do a post-trip inspection? No. Yeah. Did I do one every single time that I got out done for the day? No. But did I do a pretty good inspection every two or three days? Yes. Is 55 cents a mile good or is it bad? I started out getting 38 cents a mile, ended up by the time I was done around 49. 55 ain't bad, but it's 2019. That was 2015. So, yeah. I mean, in today's soft market, if you have a company that can consistently pay you 55 cents a mile and not pay you on percentage, yeah. I'd take the mileage any day. Are you getting a salary with that too? No, that is your salary. So, but, but consider this. 50, you, you run 600 miles, great day. Okay, say the highway shut down on uh, 75 for three hours and you yeah. run 200 miles. Oh, okay, great. You've paid for you know your dinner. Well, because this guy's thing is he makes a thousand a week. Because I remember last year there were all these stores. Oh, truckers yeah. making eighty to a hundred thousand dollars now, but the average pay for a trucker is forty eight thousand. So this guy's much more in line with the realistic amount that a trucker I would, makes. I would How much were that. you making when you were driving? Uh, teaming, uh, pretty good. U.S. Express brings the, brings the heat, man. Yeah, we, we'd clear twenty five hundred bucks some weeks. Oh wow! So I mean, and and that's a team. Like we're talking five grand to the yeah. team. Which well, you'd each get that twenty five hundred. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it's a lucrative deal if you're running a team. Um, solo, I wasn't making any money. That's why I quit because I can yeah. make more money and not be in a truck. Out west, it's a little easier running. I would. I don't know how anything moves out east. You guys that run the east coast have some. It's its own thing. Steel it's, wheels, it's man. Its own animal, and uh, sometimes it's even hard to get to get to get carriers that want to come in that way. You got to rely on the. You really do. I'm serious. You have to rely no, on the east coast carriers. It, it, and and it is a symbiotic thing. Wendy Spencer says, "I've drove since 1989, as long as since I've been born, and since I have seen changes." And they've really screwed up by putting an ELD in the trucks. When the clock starts, you can't just pull over for a one or two-hour nap anymore. So say what you want. I've seen more accidents, and I'm pretty sure 
It's to do with being tired. Then you have places that will fine you for being late. We are just getting screwed. Mm. Oh, man. Here we go. I wish Dean was here to talk about this concept. The, the, the sleeping? Idea, sleeping when you're tired, not sleeping to a clock. Yeah. But that's the rules. you got to figure out how to make it work. I think it would take um, a very regimented uh, structure to go through and make an ELD work every day, and you're talking about the most um, – unstructured business there is over the road trucking. Well, Steve Teeple, he's kind of talking about this. He says, I repeat as I voice my opinion to DOT, you cannot mandate sleep. Rain in the cars. They have no logs. Most of them don't know how to drive. Cars have no caps on hours. Speed, lane changes, and texting. Most of the accidents are caused by cars interacting with semis. The e-log was a good thought, but with everything as consequences once implemented. Drivers should be in charge of their sleep, not a bureaucrat. They cannot do their jobs, let alone run the country. Want a change? Make cars run by truck rules. Interesting. That's interesting. Well, like speaking, ELDs and, and all vehicles. Well, you know, it's crazy because a lot of expedited stuff that runs in sprinters, they don't have e-logs. So you got a sprinter out there running 24 hours. The problem is that wouldn't do anything. Like if you've been because no. because a regular person who's driving like a maniac isn't going to go over their hours of service anyway. They drive like two hours a day. At most. I feel like there's some even constitutional arguments inside. I there. Like I don't. And then like he wants that in his personal vehicle too. Like doesn't I, he I realize don't. he's like cutting his nose to spite his no, face. No, I don't need the uh, Dana. Yeah. Talking about these states don't give a, I love this, a fuzzy rat's apple <laughs> who, gets a, who gets a CDO. Uh-huh. <laughs> they only care about the revenue. I've been a professional owner of for three decades. Started on a chauffeur's license back before CDLs, yeah. Mm. I was taught being a professional driver means being courteous, having patience, respect for your fellow drivers. Most important, a willing, willingness to help others. And now you don't even have to speak, read, or write in English. Very few, I mean very few, will go out of their way to lend a hand to all the old school drivers out there. Thank you for your dedication. Uh, it's true, man. I'd say that the general, if you go to a Loves or Flying J across the country now, 30 years ago you would have seen guys in, in cowboy boots and tucked in shirts, and now it's uh, house slippers and sweats. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, I talk about it all the time. There's no heroes anymore. There's no nah, Lincoln man. Hawk, man. There's none of that 70s, you know, run the road, you no. know, rum running of, of the 70s kind of thing. Now it's just like we were talking about that movie, uh, Joyride. Now yeah. it's just candy cane. Just, and uh, <laughs> chase women around rest stops. Hey, you, you you pop a tire, you don't hop out and fix it. You call call the breakdown, man. And yeah, you sit there and play on your phone. It, there's just such a, just the mainstream stigma of like what a trucker is still persists. Like to this day, they they it's, it's just lost I will its say, luster, man. You, there's a few guys, there, the oil field guys, bull haulers. Oh yeah, they're the real deal dudes. Well, I'm not saying it's not badass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Log yeah loggers. I'm saying nobody makes a movie about them. Like, I saw truckers, nah. I guess, is kind of interesting. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. But is there, like, a mainstream star from that? But people people just know there's, like, that exists. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's no uh, there's no hero. Yeah. All right. Well, Garrett A. Sudbring, he brings us home with ELDs, main cause of accident. Investigate how many politicians in Obama's era invested millions in stock market on ELDs. ELDs cause death. ELDs put drivers under too much pressure. ELDs treat drivers like robots on human beings. My insurance through the roof because of accidents caused by ELDs. Garrett. Wow, what? I mean, I would first off, I would advise maybe like a cup of coffee and yeah. just hanging out. I, I, I mean, I don't know Obama, but yeah. I don't think that he was, uh, you know, playing the stock market I, on ELD. I think it's kind of like, yeah, I'm not really sure. Like some people always find a way to, um, like to make. Thing, like the, whatever political boogeyman right. they it's, have, it's bad. It's that person's fault. Obama bad, ELD bad. And then some. Some of them are like the bipartisan ones. The good thing about that is that you can just. I, I guess if you're like if you're really far on either side, you can just whatever's even if it's in the middle, you can just blame 
that. You can be like, oh, that must be. Because if you're like, if you're super left, you could be like, oh, Trump is the reason for the ELDs. He's not doing anything about it. I mean, you can make that argument in a you lot could, of different ways. You could turn and spin it. I'll tell you this. It's like if you, uh, if you don't like, it's, it'd be like hating cell phones and wanting to go back to pay phones. Yeah. Like, it's here, dude. The I know. ELDs are here. They're only going to get more and more. So yeah. either figure out how to work with them. Or basically figure out how to avoid them, whether that's go buy yourself a 95 Peterbilt. You well, know? And the thing was, like, when the smart companies would leverage their ELD data when there was a capacity crunch, and they'd be like, well, this these shippers' docs suck right. because their dwell times is massive. And now we have this great amount of data. We can say that, and we don't have to go there anymore. They're not a preferred shipper. They're not that shipper of choice. Hey, you can grow, you can stagnate, or you can die. You I know mean, what's amazing? Works. How, like, reflexive the, the industry is because shipper of choice, kind of a buzzword right. last year. Um, but when you're that... When that DHL supply chain freightways pricing power index is 25, suddenly, like, the term shipper of choice kind of gets forgotten, doesn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, it was like they were talking last week, you know, the concept of even carrier of the year. It's the carrier that holds the freight for the cheapest, you know? Yeah. That's how it goes, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, I, I mean, the, the changes that we are seeing, though, is that it is becoming more data-driven, and if you're not if you're not being able to work with shippers and also add that value to service. Absolutely, 100 Well, still cutting rates, but if you're not able to add that service, those ones are going out of business. And the guys who aren't leveraging their ELD data to find good partners um, and to find that money they're leaving on the table, they're not going to be around anymore. So if you're driving for them, you if you were, wouldn't you be a little concerned? I would be trying to get with the most technologically advanced company possible. Yeah. And I would be trying to make myself extremely specialized in terms of heavy haul, yeah. flatbed, Flatbed soft as it can be. You'd be a but, robot trainer, right? I mean, dude, I saw Starsky. Okay, it's a three-step deal. Yeah. You've got first you drive over the road for Starsky. Then you drive a simulator in their location. Mm. And then stage three, which I believe is coming, is that you drive a truck from your house. That's what's happening. Wait, like with like would, VR on? No, no, it's, oh. it's like a like kind of like oh, oh, like things. a drone. You control it from you can an actual yeah, like truck. a like a three like a three um, three panel screen. Oh. But like a drone, it's actually controlling. Yeah, I'll have to truck. show you. I'll show you. So like video gamers are going to be the truckers of the future. Most, I mean, it's yeah. this kind of thing. Imagine surge pricing on demand kind of thing where your phone notifies you, hey, you got to go drive this truck. So if my wife says anything about this Nintendo DS, I'll be like, look, I'm training him to be a truck driver of the future. You know, somebody's got to do it. It all comes back. It all comes back to Somebody's got to do it. You know what brings it all back to? Freight Waves Live Chicago. It's just 17 days away. I'm counting the minutes. Kyle, November 12th and 13th, the Freight Tech event of the decade descends on the McCormick Center. Are you ready? Dude, I've already packed my suitcase. I'm so ready. (laughs) It's going to be like the Macy's Day Parade of Freight. Yeah, who do we got on the keynotes? Okay, Wolf of Wall Street. Ooh, Jordan Belfort, the man. Yeah, Ch- the schedule just got changed around, so we got to check when he's going to be on. Yeah, you but, see okay. Boiler Room too. That that's another great dude, one, dude. I love. Yeah. Bo- okay, so I like that a little better than Wolf of Wall Street. I think the, the in terms of like the movie speeches, yeah. you know, the Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, the Boiler Room speech where he tells the guy to go home. Yeah, that one's pretty sweet. It is. Um, Ben Mesrick, Howard Green. Yeah. Plus, dude, we're gonna be out there. Freeways TV. What are you gonna be doing? Uh, man, well, th- there's also the Rapid Fire Demos, there's the Legendary After Parties, and a Freight Waves live stage. This is the coolest thing. The Freight Waves live stage will be running daily live streams. I think it's going to be one constant stream for you to take in, to take you inside the huddle and on the stage as we present shows like Your Night Shift, Fuller Speed Ahead, Off the Supply Chain, Freight Waves Insiders, in this very show, Off Oh, no, it's not off the truck. What the truck? How do I not even know my own show's name? Sometimes you get I think it's because we truck. do so much stuff now. What the truck? I, I think Chad and I are doing a lot of the MCing on that. We're going to be like the uh, the L. Michaels and... Um, do you got any special guests coming? 
Yeah, there's there's plenty. They're all surprises, though. They're all surprises. Uh, They're all nice. surprises. Nice. All surprises. You know, no, I don't well, like to play it a little close to the vest. But tune in. It's gonna be it's gonna be an amazing event. We really raise the bar. Uh, you know, it's no Mayan pyramid, dude. This thing is gonna be like out of this world. If you don't have your tickets now, mm. you've already made a mistake. Yeah. So go buy your ticket today. Get them yeah. before they're gone and they will sell out. Yeah. Freightways.com. Click, click on, on events. Go to Freightways.com. Click on events. It's going to be a wild time. We're going to be there. It's our second event. It's, it's going to be it's gonna be awesome, man. I'm so excited, dude. And you get to go there a day before well, I'm going to be doing Freightways, Freightways Now live. Yeah. Nice. From Freightways Live. Wow, are you gonna go to key locations in Chicago? A little cameo. I'll probably do. I'll probably do some B roll, but for the most part, we're gonna be running at the desk, and so it's gonna be. You know, my carrier updates usually ninety seconds, yeah. two minutes. I'm doing a twenty minute carrier so, update. I'll tell you a funny story. If you saw the, um, if you if you see the video that they run before this of us yeah, in Chicago, tell, so, tell. and I know that you're showing up there with Nick Friend, right? Oh, do not let him be your tour guide. That's what I've heard. He, he was. He was. T- I had like in my walking GPS to take to lead us to the Bean, right? Yeah. In, in like Millennium Park, and he's like, no, no, go this way. You got to go down Michigan. Avenue. So we get on, and then he realizes like we, we went the wrong way. And then I'm and then he's like, Well, here we'll just take the video in front of this landmark, the Sears Tower. And I'm like, okay. So we did the video, and then like, and then I went home. My kid loves huge things. So I show him a video on YouTube of the Sears Tower. I'm like, wait a second, that's not the that's building not we're in front of. We're in front of the Hancock <laughs> building. We're because there's two giant black buildings in Chicago. But I mean, I love Nick Friend, he's great, but just don't let him be your tour guide in Chicago. Well, I, I think too that he was missing the he was missing the SD card for the camera. Yeah. And then when we went Too bad back there wasn't and, a Best Buy across the street. We went back and looked at the video. Yeah. You guys are literally in front of the best. But Nick, man, that guy, absolute film photography genius. Can't thank him enough. I'm so glad he's going to be there. He's going to bring the heat. He's going to yeah. bring the show. All right, Kyle, plug your stuff. Night shift, Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Soon to go, twice a week, Tuesday and Thursdays. As it stands, Freightways now, every single day, we're going to bring you carrier update, your broker update, your finance, shipper, oil, any kind of mm-hmm. update for you. Make sure you stay tuned. Follow Facebook on YouTube. Yeah, and this show, What the Truck, like all of our podcasts, you can find at FreightWaves.com slash podcast. Also, you can look it up by name on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, everywhere podcasts are heard around the world. And now, everywhere podcasts are watched around the world. So you can look it up on FreightWaves YouTube channel. You can watch it on our LinkedIn channel. You can watch it on our Facebook channel. Isn't it great? It's, uh, it's, it's the greatest time and freight to be alive so great let's get this thing going let's do some dedicated little cowbell for a wet weekend i love that it's fall now a little cowbell for the cooler weather a little cowbell for free waves for winning that innovation award isn't that some good stuff go craig fuller yeah bring in the innovation bring in the innovation tech talent in chattanooga tennessee on what Little Cabo Brother listeners on the live stream. Little Cabo Brother listeners listening on the podcast. Little Cabo for all those drivers stuck in traffic. Little Cabo for that truck driver that Kyle saw. He ran out of his hour sitting on the side of the road, and all he's got is to listen to what the truck for until the night ends and he can drive. Bye, everybody. Yeah.